Welcome to the Prophecy Club. I have got Dana Coverstone on the phone with me today. He's been in the ministry 29 years, pastored a church in Burksville, Kentucky, called Living Word Ministries, now for about 10 years. So you've got some very, very powerful information. The mic is yours, my friend. Please tell us. As you said, my name is Dana Coverstone. I pastor a small church in Burksville, Kentucky. I've been here almost 10 years. I've been in a Sons of God pastor for almost 30 now. Um, one of my one of the things about my ministry is everywhere that I have been, I have followed a moral failure. And so I, I get to the church when things are, are torn to pieces, messed up, the finances have left, people have left, and I just do my best to help get the church back on its feet. In 1996, an evangelist by the name of Mike Livengood prophesied over me, at, but he was doing a revival at our church. And one night, he said, the Lord says that one day you will prophesy to thousands. And I thought, oh, okay, all right, sounds interesting. And then he paused and he has he said, no, wait, 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 I'm hearing another number. He said, this might shock you, but I'm hearing the, I'm hearing at least one hundred thousand. This past Sunday morning, went to the pulpit, and uh, my my kids have been watching the Facebook views of, of the video that I posted on Wednesday morning or Tuesday night or Wednesday, whatever it was I posted. It showed over a hundred thousand people, and God brought back in that moment what. Mike Livengood, the evangelist, had spoken over me back in 1996. December 16th, on a Monday night, I had that first part of the dream. And in that dream, I saw a calendar. And the calendar started in January. It was 2020. And the calendar flipped January, February, got to March. And I saw a finger, kind of like uh, many, many tickle you farson, the, the prophecy, you know, the, the the event from Daniel where a hand, a finger just came and just underlined the, the name March and then tapped it three times. Well, you know, if the, the symbol for therefore is three dots, so it was like one of those emphasizes, March is emphasized. Then I saw April, May, and June. And in June, I saw another emphasis underlying and tapped it three times. And that's when in the, in the dream, and it was a dream, I had it about 2.31 in the morning is when I woke up, so I know it was soon to that. I woke up in the dream, I saw... I saw people wearing masks. I saw lines at hospitals. I saw people who were um, protesting, marching. I saw buildings on fire. I saw looting. I saw people in, in desperate people. I saw people hiding in their homes. Um, but the protests were really one of the big things that I saw. And, and I saw people wearing masks. And it wasn't, it, it wasn't like the medical masks that they wear, but I saw the kind of masks that people are wearing now you know, for COVID. And I told the men the dream I'd had, what I'd seen. So January came, February came, March hits, and suddenly these things start happening. And I realized that what I was seeing in the news was what I had seen in my dreams. In the first dream, I did have headlines, and I saw, I, I saw pandemic. I saw that word pandemic over and over and over and over and over. I saw things with government. I saw chaos. And suddenly now in March, we have lockdowns happening. We have schools closing. Every day as I watch the news – I began to realize that these are the things that I'm seeing that were going on. And pretty soon, you know, the one gentleman in my church I was talking with would say, hey, are you watching this? Are you seeing this? That lines up with what you saw. Last Monday night, I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw the calendar. I saw June, and then it went July, August, September. And when it hit September, I saw the same hand I'd seen in December underline the month of September. And then it flipped October, and then it flipped November. And that's when the dream really took on a whole new schism, so to speak. I saw the, the index finger underlying the word November. It didn't tap it. At that time, I saw a fist ball up, and it hit. It just hit the calendar. 
It was almost as if the calendar went flying back into the wall. I saw the numbers that had been like posted on the, the little blocks of the calendar. I saw those numbers just fly into the air. And immediately I saw the same type of scenes that I was seeing from the dream back in December, but it was more intense. I saw Russian and Chinese troops. I saw men wearing blue and it didn't say you in on them, but the blue helmets are typically you in United Nations type of things. But I saw looting and I saw burning and I saw mass absolute chaos. I see people running. I saw I saw and heard in my vision and dream gunfire, constant gunfire. I saw people now hiding in their homes, looking out the windows in a dark room with a gun in their hand and looking back to check you know, to check on their families and things like that. But I saw people everywhere. I saw capitals surrounded. I saw state houses, capital state, or state capitals surrounded. I saw people screaming and making demands that were almost just outrageous. In the dream back in December, I had seen vultures over major cities, including especially Washington, D.C. And I saw the Washington Monument. I saw the Lincoln Memorial. I saw the White House. And I saw that all the curtains were pulled in the White House, especially in the Oval Office. And everything in the sky was dark. And it wasn't like a storm. It was almost as if it was nighttime. As I looked at the White House, the windows were shut, saw nobody moving around. Then I had a picture of inside the actual Oval Office. And here's what I saw, because I've had a lot of folks that have, you know, I said when I posted this that I didn't see Trump. And my reference to that wasn't support or lack of support for the president. I was just simply stating the fact that I saw no one in that office. No one was sitting in the seat. There was no cabinet members there. There was no secretary. There was nobody in that room. In other words, what it said to me was, at this moment, we were leaderless. And that's the thing that stood out to me. It wasn't that there was – I saw the flags. In the, op, the Oval Office was the Resolute Desk, which has some pretty historical significance, You know, the one that Kennedy had sat at. So I'm not even sure if Donald Trump uses that in the office or what desk he has, but I saw that desk, and I saw nobody sitting at it. The other thing that flashed through my mind at that moment was I saw a long conference table – and I saw – and I'm going to be very specific about this. I saw senators. I did not see Congress. I did not see anybody in other leadership. I saw members of the Senate. It was just the Senate. I'm not going to say specifically who I saw, but I know that I recognized the faces and <clears throat> would know the names. And I saw them sitting in a room that was very peaceful. Uh, there was no rush or no panic. Even though outside in the windows of that room, I could see there were fires burning. There was chaos outside. These men were very, very resolute. They were very, very patient. They were looking at their watches. They were in no hurry. And the other thing that I saw on the table that stands out to me as well was briefcases. Now, in our day and age, briefcases are not even – you know they're, they're a way a thing of the past. But I saw piles – stacks and stacks and stacks and piles and piles of briefcases on this long conference table where these men were talking about. I also saw the former senator who, who was out of the Dakota area, so to speak. And I saw him handing folders. Now, I don't know what was in these, these file folders. They were sealed with a clasp. He was pushing these file folders to different ones of those senators, and they were folding it up, putting it in those briefcases, and then locking everything. But once again, they weren't in a hurry to get anywhere. After that scene hit, I began to see more chaos in the skies, just terrible things, the signs and wonders in the heavens. I'm a pre tribulation rapture believer that's my theology and not just because it's the son of god but I, I believe that wholeheartedly jesus told many stories of one will be taken one will be left paul talks about the meeting in the air the dead in christ rising first so I, i'm not going to you know debate that or, or deal with that but i do believe that the church is about to face some persecution 
The next evening, though, I had another dream. I saw wolves sleeping in a field, and there were hundreds of them. It was just a big open field close to nighttime. It was dusk, and all these wolves were sleeping. And suddenly, a dark figure, someone in case like a cape or a cowl, walked in, dressed in black, and had a, a large whip. And it was, it was bigger than a bull whip, and it had a large bolt at the end of it. And this figure begins to just whip these wolves. And suddenly these wolves come awake, and they're screaming, they're making noise, they're crying out, they're, and, but they're not attacking the person who is whipping them. And, they just, and he just kept stirring them up. And this, in the dream, it seemed like it happened forever, but every single one of those wolves had been hit and beaten on by that person. And then suddenly he stops, and he points and turns in a circle with his hand out, and he says, go into the cities. That's where I knew where those wolves were going in, in the sense of the church. And in that moment, the wolves are taken off. They go in all directions. Suddenly, I'm standing in front of a, a screen. Of, it looks like a screen of TV screens, like a, a wall, a huge video wall. And in each one of those screens, I see myself preaching to my church. I see friends of mine that I know in ministry. I, see, I, I saw district officials. I saw men, women, black, white, you name it, every color, every race. Friend, I've got friends that are missionaries all over the world. I saw some of them, but I saw all of us were preaching a very hard gospel. We were preaching about lifestyles. We were calling things sin, and we were addressing things that need to be dealt with. We were dealing with abortion and alternative lifestyles, and we were just – I mean we were hitting it hard. All of us were sweating. We were all wearing kind of like the same type of shirt or blouse, and we were sweating. We were just covered in sweat, and it also appeared to me that there was like steam coming off of our heads, which to me indicated the intensity of the preaching of the gospel that we were doing. So I see, I see lots and lots of people that are preaching the gospel and preaching the message and preaching it hard. But then I see the, I'm able to actually see into the crowd almost as if I'm back in my actual pulpit looking at it. And I see people from the church, and I see some that are sleeping, and I see some that are looking at their watches, and some that are just getting itchy, and they're getting up and they're walking. And some are just, you know, they're itching to get out. They want to go. They're not listening. They're laying their heads back. They're nodding off. They're on their phones. But towards the front of the group of the church, there was a small group of people that I know in my church who are prayer warriors, people who pray. And they were all up at the front. They were listening, and they were wailing like in travailing prayer as I was preaching. The screens that I was seeing, every one of the pastor friends that I had, male and female, as they were preaching the gospel, there were people that were listening to them at the front of their churches too, almost like at the altar. People were sleeping behind. The people up front were listening, but it was always a smaller group. Suddenly, I began to hear the howls, and the people at the front who were praying in every situation turned around and looked at the doors and start scratching and beating on the door. I heard scratching on the door, and suddenly the door kind of opens up, and the wolves come in. Now, when they left the field, their eyes were just fully engrossed with a red color, almost like an LED light. Their eyes got red. They got all sorts of – they were angry. They, were, they had been worked up into a frenzy. And now they were headed out you know, into the city and headed to the churches, obviously. When the wolves came in, they weren't yipping or, or howling, or they didn't even have red eyes. They just kind of came in and walked between the pews, and all of us just kept preaching the word, preaching the word, preaching the word, and our intensity increased. But the thing I noticed was those wolves began to go and sit by the people who were sleeping, by the people who were not listening, who were not paying attention, the ones that were on their phone, the ones who were you know, asleep. The more intense that we preached and the more intensely the gospel came out, the more things we called sin and the more things that we addressed and, and basically called out, suddenly these wolves just began to growl, and the back of the fur bristled up on them.
people beside them, they would begin to pet these animals, would pet the wolves like they were a pet. And as the wolves would growl, suddenly the people who were petting them, they started getting all irate and upset and began to shout things out like, shut up, don't say that, stop preaching, stop saying that, that's not true, that's not right, the Bible doesn't say that, stop, stop, stop. And all the people in all the screens I'm seeing in all these churches are starting to come against the pastor who was preaching. I saw people that I know that were at that altar praying. I know who they were. I saw people that I know who were also in the pews. That doesn't mean they always come to the church. The faces that I saw in this were people that, and my prayers for them has increased like you cannot believe. But as they began to scream and yell at the pastor to stop preaching, things changed. And in that moment, what I saw, I saw wooden pulpits, the old wooden pulpits that many churches had from the early 1900s that were you know, very ornate and very, very solid oak. I saw them being chopped to bits with axes. I saw some of the more modern plexiglass or acrylic pulpits, and they were just being hammered to pieces. And then I saw courtrooms. I saw gavels coming down. I saw men yelling at people, telling them to stop preaching the gospel, to stop calling certain things sin, to stop addressing certain issues, uh, to be silent about those things. And if they would not be silent, that they would be silenced and taken care of. I did see Christians being beaten. I saw people being threatened. I saw people being rounded up. The message I had heard in the first dream was brace yourself, brace yourself, brace yourself. In the second dream, it was brace yourself, brace yourself, brace yourself even more. And I've been telling that to my church since, since December of last year. But at the end of this dream about the persecution of the, of the pastors, I heard something different. A white figure shows up, just like a glowing white figure, and it said, brace yourself. But this time he added the words, and endure to the end. Brace yourself and endure till the end. And when I woke up that night, I was sweating. Uh, my heart rate was about – I got a Fitbit I wear to bed. My heart rate was 188 beats a, a minute. I had to go and take a walk and pace in my house and pray and try to get my head together. I can tell you right now, everybody listening, there is no question. They know, maybe even more than you know, they know that this is God. Search your, your spirit and your heart on a couple of questions here. Okay, let's go back to the first okay. dream. The first part was March. I think you're saying that that was the COVID virus, correct? I believe so, yes. Okay, then yes. you went to June, and you're saying that that was the current riots. I believe that was where things were starting to get easier again. I mean, we had the riots, we had the shootings, we had the lootings, we had those sort of things that were happening. What's your best description of what was going on in September? That's the best thing that, that, that I believe that what I was seeing was a huge um, intentional second wave of COVID that by that time will probably have evolved into something else. We know right now young people are more susceptible. You're, you're feeling that it's a worse virus. It wouldn't be something else causing that? It's going to be uh, exponentially worse and different than the COVID we're, that we're working through right now. That's what I, what I saw. And I but saw you, people wearing you're not masks. Certain I saw hospital virus. lines. You're not certain what it is. You're just certain that it's going to be worse than what we have now, correct? Yes, and because okay. in that second vision, the second dream, I saw hospitals with people lined up out the doors. I mean, I saw people lined up out the doors to get into hospitals. Okay, so then you're a, saying it was a virus. It was something that was sickening, that was causing people to need medical care. What do you think is going on in November 
I stay very, very much up on what's happening in the news, not just not just here but around the world. But we know that the 2020 election is going to be cataclysmic, and I believe yes. that whoever wins, there is going to be the potential for civil war. There's going to be potential for everyone to think, you know, especially if everything is a mail-in ballot. Yes. Um, here in Kentucky, and I'm not going to be careful how I say this, but I'm going to say it. I got a card in the mail that said that I could cast an absentee ballot. It came from Frankfort, Kentucky. It said, you can vote absentee ballot. Please request your ballot by June 15th or something like that. There was nothing on there about voting in person at the courthouse, which we had, and there was nothing in person about a June 23rd election day to go to. Well, I was very bothered by that because if you're going to tell me to send an absentee ballot in, tell me all the possibilities of voting. As I think about what's happening in November in my dream, and it was a fist punching it. The primary thing that would happen in November would be either the election or Thanksgiving. Black Friday would not count, you know, would not be anything of a big deal except for the economy. But no matter who wins, whether it's Trump or the Democratic candidate, you're going to have people on both sides that are going to be absolutely outraged. Exactly. Uh, and we see the political animosity right now in both parties. And I, I'm watching generals that aren't sticking up with our with our president. I'm seeing cities like Seattle where there was insurrection. And you know, insurrection is not just a federal crime. It is it is a blasphemous thing towards our constitution. I know how I'm using that word. Everybody just let it go. A part of a city was taken over by a group of individuals who were not elected, who never asked those business owners what they what they wanted or needed. They just took it over, and nobody responded. The leadership in those communities just kind of stood down and did nothing and let it happen. That's insurrection. We cannot call it anything less Could, than anything. Would else. you call it so an that, internal revolution, an actual overthrow of the American government? Insurrection always heads that way, so that's what I'll say about that. Without, I just want to be careful, too. I was talking with a pastor the other day, and him and I both agreed that whether the Democrats win, there's going to be an internal revolution, or whether the Republicans win, either way. But the worst-case scenario would be if Donald Trump won, but through cheating through the mail-in ballots, it was actually given to another. That would make... Uh, oh, I mean, it's it's one thing when you get the Democrats mad, but when you get the Republicans mad, you have caused the a, a far more of a worse problem. So I'm just wondering yes. if that could be yes. the situation now. Let me go on to the next question. What do you think the wolves are? I think the wolves are – let me just give you my whole concept of that dream. I believe that the American church is asleep. I think we have lulled ourselves to sleep. That we have no we have no inkling that persecution could ever happen here, and the people who were in the pews did not want to listen to true doctrine, the true gospel, the hard gospel, what it really is. They did not want to accept the fact that there are people who there there are people who were born and raised in our churches, who have gone to colleges and instead of being educated, they were indoctrinated. They've walked away from the faith. Uh, they've wanted to, to fulfill their own pleasures and, and lifestyles and do what they want without having to answer to God. And uh, and so the expectations that the Word of God has on our lives, they just said we can't deal with this. And I believe that what the, the Lord was showing to me in the dream was that some of the big issue we're going to have within the church, rebellion against the Word of God, rebellion against pastors and teachers, is going to come from inside the church itself by those people who at one time knew the truth and now are so enraged by it that God will not allow them to do what they want with who they want, where they want, when they want, and that there's going to be a greater hostility against the preaching of the word in America. And, and this was, dream was not about any place else. It was about America. And the pastors that I saw 
The people that I saw preaching were preaching here in this country. It wasn't in Africa or South America. It was here. And and what I came away after that dream was just to pray, God, help me to have a greater heart to preach the gospel like never before, to not be afraid, to not let go, to not let down, and to not compromise the gospel. Because it, it, we know there's a great falling away in the last days. Well, the great falling away has to have that component piece of people not listening to the Word of God. Paul said in the last days perilous times will come. There will be doctrines of demons. So there's going to be pastors and preachers and teachers and prophets and apostles and everybody else saying whatever they can to get people distracted from what the Word of God is. And the other thing is the prophets warned the people in the Old Testament that judgment was coming. And Peter even says that judgment begins in the house of God. But one thing about all those prophetic books that we understand is there was always the hope because God would say, if you'll return to me, if you will return to me, if you will return to me. And so what I'm hearing in my heart is as we as, as people, as the people, the core at the front of the church that was praying, we've got to have more of those people waking up, being quickened in, in, in the spirit, understanding that we're living in the last days. We're close to the time of the return of Jesus. I believe absolutely. Were they sent to the cities as in the big, big buildings downtown, or were they sent to the rural areas, or were you shown both or what? I was standing in a field. I was like above the field looking down, and I saw all the wolves around the man who was, who was dressed completely in black. And he, tur- he put his arm out like he was pointing at something, and he just began to turn. Counterclockwise, it turned, pointed at every place, and he said, go into the cities. What I, I did not see landscape. I just saw fields. I did not see mountains or hills. I did not see cities or, or towers or skyscrapers. What I got out of it was that they were going to everywhere. Cities meaning anywhere the people are, go. And, the, and the, those wolves ended up not in the cities but in the churches where people weren't listening and then began to try to, to irritate those people to be agitated with what the pastor was saying. You also said that there was an angel. Well, my interpretation, it was probably an angel yeah. saying, endure to the end. Endure to the yes. end. What do you think that means? Whoever that figure was, whatever that figure was. I've been hearing the words brace yourself for a long time, and I can confirm that with people in my church. When I had that first dream in December, I began to tell people, folks, I keep hearing the words brace yourself, brace yourself, brace yourself. Told my church, told the guys I pray with, told others you know, that I'm friends with. But when they said brace yourself and endure until the end, and Jesus, Matthew 24, 25, you know, we're supposed to endure – Anyway, when I hear that word endure, it means that it's going to get really, really hard, harder than probably we've ever experienced or dealt with before. And the American church has never had the kind of persecution. I mean, recently, uh, the gentleman Sean King called for all the white statues of Jesus to be torn down. Well, I can't really think outside of the Ten Commandments memorials being, being moved in Alabama or the places of any major spiritual religious thing like that being said. And in the current environment, saying something like that becomes very, very volatile. It, it's a spark. It becomes the catalyst for more. And I even saw a, a, a news article where there were some pastors in the Seattle, Washington area who were going to band together and say, yeah, you're not coming to my church and burning pictures or, or crosses or things like that. But what I, see, what I see and what I fully believe in my heart and in my spirit is that God's trying to prepare the church needs them to wake up and understand that we've got a little time to, to get the gospel out. And then when we're preaching and teaching, there's going to be hostility towards us. But yet we've not been given an exemption or a, or a waiver or a way out. The gospel is going to cost us something. 
and in the American church, it's not cost us a whole lot. It's cost us some, you know, it's cost us some some people upset and frustrated and angry. But the great falling away and the love of many growing cold, it means they've walked away from who Jesus is. It means they've walked away from the truths of the Word of God. And so it, it falls upon us who are pastors and preachers and teachers and believers to continue to preach the gospel as it is in the Word of God, as as, as it says, no matter how hard it is and no matter what it costs us. No matter what it might literally um, – I mean they're killing people all over the world who are Christians. i, I got to jump in here, and I have to say that's the reason, what you just said. That's the reason you got these warnings, because you are willing to endure to the end. You are willing to preach the gospel no matter what the circumstances. Now, another question. Pulpits destroyed. What was that going on? What it meant to me was that they were taking the pulpits out of the churches. They didn't want to hear preaching, speaking, or teaching about the Word of God as a whole. And since well, most I can see that happening in, in two or three years, but are you saying that, that apparently this is coming possibly even as soon as November 2020? All I know is what I saw, and I saw in my dream in the time frame of August or September through November that there would be a hostility against the gospel, a hostility that would be rising up among many people who at one time used to be Christians, used to serve the Lord, uh, used to um, you know, serve God with their heart, walked away from callings, got mad, got angry, got frustrated. You know, there, there's a lot of people um, – as I said, I, I pastored three churches or three – I was a youth pastor at one. I followed a moral failure there, a church in Indiana where the pastor that I followed hadn't fallen, but the pastor before him had, and I followed a, a fallen pastor here. It takes – a lot of time to get people to trust a pastor again. And I've had many people tell me, man, I've, I've got scars. That, that pastor, uh, you know, he, that pastor hurt me. He wounded me. A lot of people have no idea how many scars pastors have. Um, and we have to just get in that pulpit knowing that folks have left or mad or, or whatever. And I've, I've never been a perfect pastor. I've made plenty of mistakes and everybody gets hurt. Matter of fact, one of the one of the messages that I, I preached years ago, and I should probably put it back on maybe on Facebook even, uh, is uh, what do you do with the scars? You know, if you've been scarred, and uh, there's a lot of churches that need to hear that, a lot of pastors, a lot of people need to hear that. But the hostility is coming against who we are and what we what we say, and what we what we are doing as a church, and that's what I don't think the church is ready for. One thing I did see was I saw Russian soldiers telling Chinese soldiers, pointing about – they were talking about different quadrants, and go secure this location. Go secure that area. I saw the blue hats in the context of those soldiers that were moving. So it wasn't people being rounded up. It was soldiers making strategic, coordinated – I'll call it a lockdown or what. But what I saw was soldiers being told where to go, what to do, pointing – I saw equipment being, you know, I, I saw trucks, I saw vehicles, I saw military-type vehicles being moved. I saw troops marching, and not like huge, 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 huge amounts of troops, but I saw troop movement, Chinese soldiers specifically, Russian soldiers, the things that were on their shoulders. I could tell by that. The Chinese, obviously because of the physical characteristics, and the UN hats, all I saw was heads and helmets. There was no nationality, no color, no race, no no creed with that, but that's what I saw. I saw but I saw troops here on the ground here occupying in the second dream I saw banks with the roofs kind of being tilted off and money just like like a vacuum cleaner sucking it out and it was just leaving. So I saw wealth fling. 
But then the very next night, I had the dream where I'd gone to a local bank to get money uh, to get change for a yard sale that our church was doing to raise missions a missions trip. And I said to the bank president who was at the at the teller's machine, I said. I need to get $10 in quarters. And she said, we no longer have quarters. Uh, Federal Reserve is no longer buying change. And I said, well, how am I going to sell something for $1.50? She said, you're going to have to raise it to two. Hyperinflation is coming, and the ones and fives are going to follow soon afterwards. And since I posted that, I've had probably, this is no joke, 300 people have sent signs and messages from, my, from Miami, Florida, drive-ins at McDonald's and Different managers of, of Walmart, Targets have talked to me and said, we're having trouble getting change. My daughter works at that bank that I had the dream about. She came home on Thursday and said, Dad, they told the tellers yesterday in a Wednesday meeting after posting the dream that there is uh, a coin shortage. We have to be real careful with our coins. My email address is pdstone1 at yahoo.com, just like Pastor Dana Stone, and then the number one, pdstone1 at yahoo.com. YouTube video is capital L, capital W, capital M, LWM, and then lowercase video. That's our YouTube channel. And then we have a Facebook page at Living Word, Living Word Ministries AG. And we're Living Word Ministries in Son of God in Burstville, Kentucky. God bless you. Thank you very much for coming on. And we will look forward to hearing more from you in the future, brother. Thank you very much, sir. I greatly appreciate it. You can now watch 160 Prophecy Club recordings without interruption. Watch prophecyclub.com. Click like, share, and subscribe.